0: Hi, it's Kelly Sterling. Welcome to my podcast, Talking About Midlife. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Sarah Smith. Sarah's an osteopath with a special interest in women's health. And Sarah helps a lot of people with pelvic issues. We're talking about the impact that aging has on our musculoskeletal system and the impact of hormonal changes on our musculoskeletal system. One thing that you will learn about Sarah is she's absolutely passionate about women's health and about really empowering women to take a holistic look at their bodies, to think more systemically about the changes that are going on in their bodies and to think about multiple perspectives that they can use to integrate to improve their overall health and well-being. We're talking about tendons, muscles, bones, prolapse, gut health, you name it. I hope that you enjoy it. So today I'm here with Sarah Smith, who's a wonderful osteopath who I got to meet earlier in the year when I hobbled into her office in excruciating pain in my hips, which I've suffered uh, for years, really, pretty much since childbirth, um, and I've tried so many different approaches to healing this issue, which is caused by multiple things, really. Um, and Sarah's been fabulous, and she's got my hips straight, my back straight, and through the course of our relationship, developing. We've discovered a mutual obsession for helping women with their health and well, mental well-being as they age. Um, so, welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you, Kelly. That's okay. Glad to be here.
0: So, do you want to tell us tell us a little bit about you and what you what you do, and just about your just a little introduction? Um, I'm a
1: osteopath. Obviously, I also teach a lot of clinical Pilates. Um, I've got a osteo and multidisciplinary clinic in Blackburn, Hawthorne and Windsor called Beyond. Um, I guess my interest in women's health that we've both come to realise we love um, has stemmed from being diagnosed with breast cancer at age of 25. I was always kind of fit and healthy, but I think getting breast cancer, I guess, changed my um, view on life and my body and gave me a real in-depth experience about what the body goes through through um, going through surgeries and then also going through chemotherapy that changed a lot of the hormones in my body I went through um, early menopause but then it was only temporary so I was super lucky and it Mm. all everything came back as normal about six months after the chemo finished but it sort of I remember sitting in the MCG one day It was freezing cold, watching the football, stripping down to a singlet because I was just sweating profusely in the MCG stadium, having a lovely hot flash, as we call them. Um, But yeah, so I was really lucky to get through all of that. And at the end of it, managed to have a beautiful set of twin girls naturally with my husband and yeah, bless my stars every day.
0: Fabulous. Wow, what a story. And so that really kind of started your journey towards women's health as a yeah. specialisation for you? Yeah,
1: definitely. That triggered a lot of things because I think our bodies go through so much as women from when we hit puberty when we we're young girls mm-hmm. through to having children and then going through perimenopause, menopause, ageing and that whole transition. It's really exciting for women to go through and i think it's amazing what our bodies deal with yeah um i guess with the whole breast cancer like it was a huge journey um i remember seeing a homeopath in ireland when i was first diagnosed and she said you're gonna come out of this a butterfly Mm. and i was like oh gosh what is this but it's stuck with me forever and it, I do feel
0: like I've really grown from the experience. Yeah, huge transition. Mm, yeah. Menopause, it's a huge transition. And I always say to women that I coach, you know, the symptoms are there for a reason and we've, things we've got to pay attention to our body and the messages. And it's really about helping you find the full expression of your feminine, whatever that is. Uh, so it takes a lot of leaning in. I think, to get toward that.
1: And I think as women, we really do need to listen to our bodies. Mm. And I feel like as an osteopath, when I'm treating women, I'm getting them to listen into their bodies a Mm. lot in terms of what they're feeling emotionally Mm. and where the pain or stiffness or what they're presenting with when that occurs, is there a correlation with what's going on in their lives?
0: Yeah. So what is an osteopath and how are they different in their approach to treating their patients. Um
1: so an osteopath is a health practitioner and we treat the musculoskeletal system but we also treat I guess the nervous system, the circulatory system because everything's related. Yes. So our principles is that um structure governs function. So yeah. if we can align the body as best as possible, then the body has got its own self-healing mechanisms. Yeah. Now that might sound a little bit out there for some people, but it really makes sense because if you think about the alignment of the body, um, if all of your, if everything's balanced up, then everything inside will be balanced up as well.
0: Yeah. No. So certainly in my somatic training, um, you know, we approach it that the body has an innate capacity to heal itself.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's very similar to. Um, other professions as well. Like we incorporate a variety of techniques, such as um, massage. We do some. Some of us do needling. Some of us do manipulation. Some of us do craniosacral therapy. Um, there's a whole variety of conditions. Some it's it can be really gentle, so we can treat people from newborns through to the elderly.
0: Yeah,
1: I've treated people, you know, babies from one week, and I'm treating a 95 year old lady at the moment. And yeah. And then I'm treating lots of sports people as well. Yeah. So, it's amazing. We treat everything from headaches through to um, pregnancy, pelvic pain, and then incorporating the clinical Pilates is amazing as well because that's going to incorporate a lot of the women's health throughout... I guess, before they have babies, supporting through the pregnancy and then
0: going through menopausal transition as well with changes in the body. Yeah. Well, that's certainly what's helped me significantly. Yeah. So I guess um, an interesting place to start would be probably with hormones. Um, Huge topic. Yeah. it's, It's a big topic. And particularly as you're transitioning through perimenopause toward menopause... Um, we all know that our hormone levels start to change. So for some people it starts early as their 30s, but everyone's different because everyone's body's completely unique. So what are the, some of the first things we might notice in our body when our hormone levels start to change? Um,
1: so more physical symptoms that people might start Noticing, I guess for women, is the big one is going to be changes in our cycles. Mm. So, whether we start seeing um, longer periods between periods Mm -hmm. um, or they might stop completely, everyone's really different with Mm -hmm. how it happens. Some people will go for two or three months without having a period and then it'll come and then Mm -hmm. it'll be a 28-day cycle Mm -hmm. and then it'll go another two months. Mm -hmm. So, it can be really varied. That's probably the biggest physical the first physical symptom, I guess. Um, and then in terms of aches and pains, what I see when people come in is a lot of people starting to get reoccurring tendon problems. So a mm. bit of tendonitis in the shoulder or the hip, bit an inflammation, so an increase in pain. Mm. Um, women might also notice changes in mood, mm-hmm. but we can all notice that a lot of the time just through daily life. Yeah. So whether yeah. or not that is... Um, the change in hormones or not Uh, we also notice changes through our skin hair nails so skin can become a little bit um, start getting a bit thinner and same with the hair Um, and nails maybe not as healthy yeah Um, a few other things we might also notice is just change in weight distribution and also because our sleep cycles start to change a little bit. Yes. So we have a bit of lack of sleep, a bit more fatigue. Yeah. Um, and then again, like if you're not sleeping properly and you're more fatigued, that's going to stress the body. So it's a bit of a yeah. negative circle that we've yeah. got to sort of nip in the bud somewhere in that negative cir- cycle Yeah, so that we can um, Sleep help is a ourselves. big thing.
0: I know last year I went through a period where I was sleeping about four hours a night. It was just killing me. But I seem to have got on top of that. Um, and I think for me, it's been, I mean, I've always exercised really regularly, but of course, when you're sleeping four hours a night, you don't really feel like getting up and doing exercise, but I forced myself and I've changed the ferocity of the exercise too. So I'm probably, I'm not really running anymore. I'm sort of doing more gentle things um and i've also i've always meditated but i've also uh included a qigong practice this year which has had a massive impact so just doing still going to gym and lifting weights and keeping my shoulders and hips moving and doing weight bearing exercise but the pilates has helped my spine and my hips and the qigong just has like obviously it has physical because you spend a lot of time in your core doing qigong but the mental rest that you have in that session is just phenomenal
1: yeah I think one of the things I see in practice is that as I think after we have children so a lot of people having children in their 30s even late 30s 40s now yeah and then we think we can go back to doing the same exercises that we were doing before having children but our bodies change so much and then I see um, women going and back into the gym, back doing HIIT classes, high-impact classes, straight back into running before their bodies have recovered from the pregnancy. Mm. And so that automatically puts their tendons and joints all on stress. Yeah. Um, as well as changes the cord- the hormone levels. So your cortisol levels will go up with the stress and then that's going to change the inflammation in the body. Yes. Um as well as that, like as we come more into perimenopause and menopause, you get changes in the tendons from the collagen deposition. So, with the change in dropping estrogen through yes. perimenopause, yes. you're going to get changes in collagen deposition. So, our bodies don't heal as well. Right. So, if you put all, a lot of those negatives, which this sounds terrible, like, but it's not all bad. <laughs> um, so, with... Changing the collagen, lack of sleep, fatigue, yeah. and then women going out and trying to pound the pa- pavement to try yeah. and get these extra excess kilos off. Yes, and then they're not sleeping, they're not recovering, their muscles aren't recovering. Yeah, and so it's just that constant
0: state of micro trauma going through their body. Okay, that's a really great way of explaining it. Mm. And so the collagen depletion, which I imagine is caused by oestrogen levels dropping, is that right? Yeah, it's related to that. Yeah, yeah, just changing. Yeah.
1: So, with perimenopause and menopause, estrogen does drop. Yeah. Um, collagen is needed to repair tendon tissue. Yeah. So, if we strain a tendon or it re- undergoes microtrauma, yeah. we need that collagen to be laid down. And it's the same with all any elasticity uh, through the body. Yeah. So, if you've got, um, even through your skin, through muscles yes we well, need that collagen in there to give yeah. us that elasticity yeah. and that strength but yeah. this is where it comes back into the strength training so you said you felt so much better with pilates and yeah. strength training yeah and that's what's so important as we go through life yeah um, as we get older you've got to they've done studies and they recommend that women over 50 do minimum of two strength sessions a week right now you don't have to go hard in those strength sessions. no i certainly
0: don't no but i'm I'm consistent. Like I try and do it two to three times a week. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And then
1: picking your Pilates, your swimming, something like that to keep the body mobile as well. Yeah. To keep those joints mobile. And you can still go and do some, if you feel good, go and do some high impact. Get that heart rate up. Yeah. Because that will get the blood circulating. That the blood will provide all the nutrients and everything into our muscles to help heal everything. I like to think of blood as kind of like the green smoothie for our body. <gasps> So oh, it kind of nice provides of thinking about all it. the good stuff for us.
0: Yeah. So you, at the start you mentioned um, presenting issues like um, hip and shoulder bursitis, I think, so the stiffening. And I've heard of quite a few people mention this. So is this as a result of the collagen depletion? What, yeah, it, t- can you talk about that a little bit and yeah. what's going
1: on? So what happens is I first noticed it when I was – i have been treating for probably about five or six years and I was getting all these women in their 50s coming in with hip pain, especially at night time. And mm. I'm like, there's got to be a correlation. Mm. And so just did some reading up on it. And um, with the change in the hormones and the elasticity and strength in the muscles, so as the estrogen decreases, we get loss of muscle muscle. Um, strength Mm. and then so that's why it's important to keep doing the strengthening exercises Mm. but with that you're gonna get a change in biomechanics and composition of the pelvis structure right so if you imagine your hip muscles or your bum muscles they're attaching out to the side of the hip and if your structure of your pelvis changes just a little bit then the muscles will friction a little bit over the outsides of the hips yeah yeah um that will cause a little bit of inflammation yeah and then if we don't have that collagen um, and the right nutrients to heal that, then it's going to cause more inflammation. And that's where you get your bursitis, your tendinitis um, and other problems like that occurring. Yeah. Okay.
0: So how do we replenish the collagen? Like what's the way to deal with, is it through food or can you take supplements
1: or? So you can actually take supplements a little bit as well. Um you probably better off to talk to a naturopath about which are the best supplements yeah. to take, but you can actually get collagen supplements and bone broth is another big I one. I drink bone broth. Yeah. yeah Cause Chinese doctors said I to me, bone drink broth. it every day. Yep. Yeah. So good. Get some nice, good sort of fatty bone marrow. And yeah. it's really good for you to have. And it's great for your gut lining as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you can get some really good recipes online or from your naturopath and you can even buy it. You can buy some you good stuff in organic stores now. Well. Yeah. Um, but there's also some really good changes we can have through diet and nutrition. Mm-hmm. So vitamin C is a big one, um, and that promotes the healing of connective tissue. Um, and you can find that obviously in your vegetables, um, strawberries, kale is a good one, um, tomatoes, broccoli. So all your green leafies are great mm-hmm. in terms of nutrition. Mm-hmm. One of the other vitamins is zinc, and so we all know zinc's um, great for hair and nails, um, don't yes. we? Um, yeah. so zinc's going to be really good. Your seafoods, um, and your seeds, whole grains, nuts, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then vitamin E, which we will you know, obviously go through thinking on oh, vitamin E, we relate it to skin as well. Yeah. Um, so that's going to help with anything, um, with collagen. So vitamin E is going to be more in your eggs, asparagus, avocados, kale again, um, and some sunflower seeds. And then, of course, protein is really important because protein helps, obviously, build our muscles. um,
0: And so that's going to help to, I guess, maintain that strength as well. Fantastic. So can I just come back to sleep for a minute? Mm. Because sleep, I think, is just massive. (laughs) Doesn't matter where, you know, I notice with my kids when they're not getting enough sleep, they're ridiculously difficult to deal with. But so am I when I don't get enough sleep. And so, you know, it has such an impact on our mental, emotional and physical health. So, am I right in assuming that if we're not getting enough sleep, that's going to potentially cause stress? Yes. Um, and so that impacts on, obviously, people's capacity to cope. I know that as a coach. How, is, how does that stress Im- impact on... Um, inflammation in the body and maybe gut health like is that something to think about with stress yes
1: big area (laughs) Um, there's a lot of questions in there so one we need sleep to heal the body yeah yeah so when we and we don't need eight hours sleep a night you don't have to have that and not many people do Mm. um everyone's a little bit different in my opinion um I think that it can if you don't get enough sleep, it can affect your quality of life. Um, you know, you, you get really moody, um, you can get highly irritable and then if you're not functioning properly, your body's not going to function properly. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting more stressed, you can get more anxious mm-hmm. and then that can change your cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. If your cortisol levels, that's a hormone secreted um, that is secreted in times of stress. So think about a flight fright. Mm-hmm response yeah yeah so if that's happening um and if it's happening all the time and the cortisol is being released all the time then you're going to get this constant state of inflammation through the body Uh, so with that um, release of cortisol as well you're also going to get increased um sort of gut problems because you get a thing called leaky gut yes so we get increased permeability of the small intestine Mm -hmm. um normally they've got normally a lot of the particles can't come out of the small intestine but if you've got leaky gut there's gaps between the cells and so a lot of the chemical um food particles sorry will come out through those little gaps and then the chemical inflammatory mediators will come towards the gut lining and go out into the body. Yeah. Yeah. So, if that's happening all the time, then you're going to get inflammation throughout the entire body. Got it. And it's a bit of a negative circle because then if you've got inflammation within the body from that problem, then the body's going to see that as a bit of an imposter. And yes. it's going to fight more with yes. more inflammation. Yes.
0: Yeah, and then I can see how people get really, really run down. Yeah. Um, and certainly when you're in, you know, that fight or flight or freeze cycle all the time and you're pushing against your window of tolerance, so that's your body's capacity to sort of regulate particularly your emotions as well. And I see that in coaching when people are like pushing, they might be in what we would think of of the red zone, right? So they're either pushing on their fight flight they're in that pattern all the time and that impacts on how they show up in the world and how they interact with other people and the quality of their relationships and the quality of their decisions and you know that's their, their capacity to just be with their emotions is they're not functioning at their optimal level. I think in practice
1: the biggest thing one of the big things I see is and it's so common in women with you know we juggle so much in our lives and we've got the children the grandchildren the job we've got the pressure to do everything we do at home as well as everything that our husbands are doing at work because we want these amazing careers as well and we've got there's a lot of pressure and we're really good at it we're really good at handling that pressure but Mm. we're also good at bottling it up Mm. and i see it in women they come in and they'll have pain in their neck and shoulders, in their jaw from being really tense. um, They'll feel like they've got that, a bit of brain fog and they can't concentrate. Mm -hmm. They're moody. They might have a bit of um, gut problems as well, whether Mm -hmm. it be constipation or diarrhea Mm -hmm. um, or just a feeling of unease in the gut. And Mm -hmm. they won't, a lot of people don't identify that it might be a bit of anxiety, Mm. um, which is a huge trigger for the release of cortisol and Mm -hmm. a huge trigger for aches and pains and inflammation as well. Yeah. So like I see people, I had a lady um, earlier this year in, and she was in a job which she loved, quite stressful and she had a bit of gut problems and low back pain with it. And she was only in her mid thirties. She was quite young. Um, And, she, I was treating her back and we were talking about her gut health and we sent her off to a naturopath they sent, and a dietician she saw as well and she tried everything. She got tested for all her FODMAP um, foods and nothing came back really. So, mm. they said, oh, let's just try it and see what happens. Mm. Helped a little bit. But the thing that helped the most was when she got a new job. Yeah. And she was...
0: Because I think the body tells you when something... I mean, this is certainly, obviously, the space that I work in with people all the time is that um, it is often telling you... or I notice when people are in relationships that are not healthy for them and often it's their body reacting first and then their brain kind of gets with the picture some months down the track. Yes. Oh, okay, I'm really... I've been unwell for a long time. Maybe this is not going to be working for me and it
1: will often just creep up on people Mm. so by the time they come and see me they might have had this problem on and off for 12 months sometime
0: yeah 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 well I guess the you know for the the emotions to be sitting there for a long time it has to be there or travel for a long time before it gets to a pain stage I imagine and by then it's probably you know quite woven into the fabric of how they are at that point in time.
1: Yeah, and it's how the brain perceives pain a little bit as yes. well. Yes. Yes, um, which is different for all of us. Yeah. yeah. They say n- nerves that fire together wire together. Ah. So the more the pain's there, the more the brain will perceive that pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good little saying. Mm. I like that. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll come back to sort of what to do a little bit later. One thing that um, that I'm interested in is um, around prolapse and um, continence issues. Um, I've noticed a few people that I'm friends with over the years are sort of post-birth having prolapse issues and then I'm noticing that some people that I work with as they get older it's becoming an issue. Can you talk to us a little bit about prolapse and what what is that all about what's actually (laughs) going on
1: so prolapse is essentially something that's happening when the pelvic floor muscles weaken yeah so as we go through i guess childbearing years Mm -hmm. and then perimenopause menopause the pelvic floor muscles muscle composition changes So, it becomes a bit weaker. Mm -hmm. Now, the pelvic floor muscles, would you believe, are muscles. Mm. We need to work them. Mm. And we need to work them in a way to strengthen them to stop a prolapse occurring. Mm -hmm. Um, So, generally, the signs of a prolapse, you might get a feeling of discomfort. You might actually get a visible sign that it's um, actually prolapsing out. You might have to push it back in. But there's also the... um, the incontinence issues that come with it Mm. so that's probably the biggest thing that people will notice Mm -hmm. and it can be just a little bit of stress incontinence which Mm -hmm. is just leaking when you've got an increase in intra-abdominal pressure so Mm -hmm. coughing or sneezing Mm -hmm. they might notice a bit of leaking Um, you can also get urge incontinence which is when you've got to get to the toilet really fast and not quite make it you might get a bit of leaking Um, i think a lot of women don't do anything about it. They think it's normal. Mm. And even elderly women, mm. like once you get over sort of 60s, it's really common mm. and people don't do anything, but it's not normal.
0: So, um, can we talk a little bit about. We've mentioned vaginal weightlifting, you and I have talked about it before. So, can you just tell us a little bit about what that is um, as a way to deal with improving the strength of pelvic floor muscles?
1: Yeah, so. You can do Kegel exercises, which can be done either with a little weight Mm -hmm. um, or you can do them without a weight as well. Okay. So essentially the pelvic floor muscles are like a sling. So they go from the pubic bone at the front to the tailbone at the back Mm -hmm. and then out to the sides. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can imagine contracting that area, so drawing – like trying to stop yourself from going to the toilet – or from stopping yourself from farting. Mm-hmm. There's two different ways because there's actually a front and the back of the pelvic floor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can do a couple of different visual exercises to strengthen the pelvic floor, which will help with prolapse or will help with incontinence. And it will also help even just to um, get more stability through the pelvis. So it will help with your deep core activation as well. So one of the visuals is trying to um, pick up a hanky off your undies through the vaginal walls and pull it up quite high, Mm -hmm. and then releasing it slowly. The release is really important as well. The other...
0: So why is that? Why is the release It's like an
1: eccentric contraction. Yeah. So we can easily just squeeze, relax, squeeze, relax, but then having that nice deep contraction, that will help to contract the muscles for longer and help with endurance. So if you do get any urge incontinence and you need to go and rush to the toilet, you can actually get there and hold on. Mm yeah that
0: makes sense
1: it and what does. are the other? sorry then and then so we can also visualize um drawing a pea up through the vagina mm-hmm. or a marble is a good one as well mm. so a marble is slightly bigger and um, harder than a pea mm-hmm. and heavier mm-hmm. so that might give you a stronger contraction mm. and try and visualize drawing that pea or marble all the way up behind the belly button ah. so you're drawing it up quite high yeah And you can do these anywhere, Kelly, because nobody should be able to tell you're doing them. Yeah. Except we look like we're concentrating a lot when we do them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also good to do them in different um, positions. So in bed at nighttime Mm -hmm. and then when you're seated. Mm -hmm. So if people have problems and they're um, quite severe, they're probably better off doing them when they're actually on their back. because when you're seated you're doing it against gravity so it's already quite hard so you might want to start just doing it when you're lying down on your back or on your tummy okay
0: so um the liver plays a massive role in um i guess processing hormones so estrogen testosterone processing food in chinese medicine they strongly associate it with anger in our body, so we store our anger there. So can we have a bit of a chat about the liver and the best way to support it?
1: Yes. Um, again, it's a lot of the support is going to be through looking after your body from a holistic aspect. Mm-hmm. So in terms of nutrition and lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and not putting too much stress on your body, whether it be from external or internal um, presence so thinking of your liver as it's a real working organ in that it's got to flush everything that comes into your body It essentially flushes it back out into the system it mm-hmm. neutralizes it mm-hmm. and then puts it back into the system mm. so it's cleansing us and if we've got all these external toxins so your pesticides and all your mm. um, chemicals in your house that you use mm. anything environmental that's not great and then on top of that you're putting lots of sugar and lots of inflammatory foods into your body, mm. that's going to put your liver under a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have trouble cleansing all of the hormones and then that can cause a bit of a an imbalance. Yeah. in your Whether it be in your um, estrogen, it can be a big one in terms of perimenopause and also
0: testosterone. Uh, a naturopath friend of mine... Uh, said to me so um that the because the liver's working really hard when you're going through many perimenopause to process the different types of estrogen and often the time that it works hard is at night so sort of one till three in the morning
1: that's coming back to your sleep isn't exactly
0: it? yeah and so to um you know, if you do find yourself waking up. Um, so she recommended to me to take some liver support, which I've been doing this year. And it's really I think that was the thing that really turned my sleep around. But also uh, to really think about what you're eating um, and that a lot of vegetables are actually easier for the body to process. Your green leafies? Yeah. And so, you know, other reading that I've done – through other health practitioners, they all suggest during perimenopause, menopause vegetables, like load up on vegetables. Yeah. And yeah. Fish as well is a really
1: good one. So lots of veggies, lots of fish. Um, Again, like your vitamin D is really important as well and Mm -hmm. vitamin C, Mm -hmm. zinc. So having those nutrients as well. Mm -hmm. So think about all the foods that we were talking about before um so your nuts and seeds your healthy fats your fish so especially like your salmon mackerels those sort of things are really great yeah um and then all your green leafies kale broccoli asparagus they're
0: all fantastic yeah um do you like do you see because i notice the anger like with women i'm coaching how you know the the psychological aspects of perimenopause start way before the physical, and so how it shows up is, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore would be the phrase that I see come up. So whether that's things around the house, getting really annoyed with their partners, um, just with their jobs, wanting to make changes, but um, there's a need for change that's being driven in there somewhere, and that's around the patterns, and and maybe it's. I think for a lot of people, it's what we were talking about before, it's the need to put the self first. So it's the body saying, no, don't give, give, give anymore. It's your time to put yourself first. Um, and then sort of I gently suggest, why don't you go and talk to a naturopath or why don't you go and you know, seek some alternative advice? And it always comes back, that their liver is playing up as well. And so I've noticed when not only do they change their diet, but they also start connecting in with their emotions and what's going on, they get, a, they get a better result and try and lean in to that anger and, and really understand what it is. But how do, do you notice how that shows up in their body, the anger? Is it in their muscular tension, like the things that we were talking about before?
1: I guess anger could be a form of stress Mm -hmm. and I would see stress in probably 90% of my patients. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and I I think with anger by the time we see them, especially for you as a coach as well, Mm. it's been there for a little while because they've actually come to do something about it and they've identified it or you've identified it for them. Um, as a practitioner, they'll come in to me and it'll often present with um, tension through neck and shoulders, especially in women. Mm-hmm. I find men are more lower back ah, when they come in. So men, it does present in them as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of tension in the jaw because they'll be clenching. Yes. Um, in and men and women. Yes, see that. Yeah. definitely. And people don't realise they're doing it either. Mm. So I'll often give people a bit of a cue through the day just to relax their jaw Mm. and that will relax their neck and shoulders Mm. Um, and people will come in and they'll say oh is this like the tightest you've ever felt somebody and it's it's often not it's physically I actually Sometimes you can't feel that tension. Mm. They feel it because it presents with pain. Yes. Um, even though it's not physically that tight. Yeah. But they feel that tension through the whole system. And it goes back to having, um, I guess, the, that chronic state of inflammation from the elevated levels of cortisol because they are stressed and tense and angry. Um, and it's like they get bot- emotions bottled up in their muscles. Yeah.
0: And emotions are just energy. So when you yeah. let yourself express that through movement, it's a great way of releasing. But yeah. you know, getting to that point where you let yourself feel when, for years and years and years, you've been taught to repress or over dramatize, which is also a disconnected expression of it. Um, and it, it's hard to change, <laughs> but it but is it's totally possible. You know, and I can do it in two coaching sessions with people, but then it takes a lot of practice, practice. As as with anything, it's practice.
1: I like to say to my patients that movement is medicine. Yeah. And it is. It, it really totally is. is. And it,
0: But it's identifying
1: as well what movements are going to help them. So is it going to be going and doing a Pilates class, going and just going for a walk outside mm. in the sunshine mm. or just getting out into the environment? I had a, a guy in the other day and he said – I said, are you doing much walking? Because he's feeling very stressed. He's had all these aches and pains start and he wants to go and get every test under the sun to have a diagnosis. And I said, I think it might just be some stress because none of his blood tests have shown up anything. Mm. I said, are you walking? Just go for a nice walk. And he said, oh, I walk at work all the time. And I'm like, that's not walk. You've got to go outside, (laughs) experience the, just get out there in the fresh air go for a nice walk or do some nice stretches, do some breathing exercises. Breathing is huge for the body and calms the nervous system down. So that's going to decrease
0: your stress levels. So stress is a massive issue for everyone in our society today. And it's a factor of the go, 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 always on culture that we live in. What's the impact on hormone production? We talked a little bit about it before, but we didn't really get into the nitty-gritty of it. So does it reduce hormone production or...? It changes it,
1: mainly through the um, elevation of the cortisol levels. Right, right. Yeah, and so with the elevation of cortisol, that constant elevation, because mm. it is normal to have a little bit released mm. and it actually helps if you get get a re- little bit of release of cortisol that can actually help with inflammation, mm-hmm. the natural inflammatory process of the body. Mm-hmm. But it's when you get that constant state that it, you get that constant release of cortisol and the constant inflammation through the body. Got it. And so if you've got constant stress, constant inflammation, you've got increase pain throughout the body so any little problem that you might have in your body whether it be a bit of tendonitis in your shoulder or maybe a little bit of tension in your one of your muscles that will be amplified got it
0: interesting so um as well as estrogen and testosterone let's talk a little bit about the ovarian follicles and um the impact on the musculoskeletal system so um A lot of people experience – so we've talked sort of generally about shoulder pain, hip pain, but a lot of people experience as they get older osteoporosis. It's a big issue. Osteoarthritis and other illnesses like that. Can we talk a little bit about that and how they come about?
1: Um, So this is one of the things I think we don't realise so much, even though we do get it drummed into us. Um, you know, once people start hitting their 50s, they need to start getting, thinking about these things. Yeah. So osteoporosis is generally, it's a decrease in the bone density. Yeah. And it starts happening from about age of 50 yeah. with the drop in estrogen because yes. of the change um, in our hormones. Uh, So the most important thing you can do for that is to make sure that you're doing some weight-bearing exercise Mm -hmm. and have a really good diet as well. Mm -hmm. So having um, adequate vitamin D and calcium and then also um, enough sun. So get outside, make sure, you know, obviously within um, (laughs) safety limits, but it all helps to um, stop that decline in the bone density
0: so, in terms of um, diet with osteoporosis, because I've read some resources that say for women like uh, a a dairy laden diet is not great, but then obviously you need calcium to come from somewhere yes so what what is appropriate?
1: everyone's I'm not a dietitian, yes or a nutritionist, yes. so I can't give too much advice yeah. um, there some people say have soy as an alternative yeah but yeah um i think some people can this is just from my observations can stand yogurt a bit easier than like your milks yes. milks can be really processed yeah um and a lot of people say don't do dairy don't do dairy but a lot of the time it's because dairy's not coming straight from a cow if it was straight from a cow it'd probably be really good for you yes. but it's not it's processed and then you go and you buy your lactose free with no protein protein of this and your skinny milk and and they've gone through more and more processes to get them to that state yes so it's quite a processed food yeah um so best to talk to a dietitian or nutritionist about that yeah um you can have calcium supplements vitamin d get out in the sun but more and more people now have vitamin d deficiency because again we're we're running the gauntlet and our
0: sunscreen particularly in australia the southern hemisphere is incredibly strong because we have huge melanoma issues yes yeah
1: yeah um just on osteoporosis i guess the biggest thing with that because people will think well what's wrong with bone weakening but it's not uncommon once women and it's not even women as they get older i've had patients in their 50s get um, compression fractures in their spine yeah and i had one lady who was she was doing gym and she was running half marathon and super fit and active, and she went away um, traveling over in Europe and carrying heavy bags and packs, and ended up with a compression fracture. Okay. Um, and so, which she was just presented to me with mid back pain, and had a compression fracture, and because it just wasn't getting better, and that was when we said, "Oh, let's go get a um, scan," and found that. And for her, treatment is calcium supplements. Um, And looking at – she's talking to her gynecologist about hormone replacement therapy as well to try and help that. I had a patient, amazing lady, um, who came in with three vertebral compression fractures that came on when she just reached for something. Yeah, okay. And through – she did Pilates with us twice a week and hydrotherapy twice a week. Yeah. And she, no joke, got about, I reckon, eight centimetres taller really yes amazing incredible because strengthening all the muscles that support the spine helped to re um i guess helped her posture yes and so took a lot of the weight off that those spinal segments it was amazing
0: do you notice um just segueing slightly but this thought Mm -hmm. just came into my head so a lot of women post-birth, and I've noticed a lot of women my age in their late 40s, and I certainly had this issue, like getting a lot of um, compression in the diaphragm and the pleura and, like, you're all kind of jammed up in there. Um, and those oblique muscles not really firing or doing what they should be. And I, I suspect in myself it was just... Um, post-birth like having two really big babies and maybe they just were in that pattern of (laughs) you know having a baby Um, inside and they just never did come back in properly and that a lot of my obviously my training work in fixing my hips has been working on those is that common
1: yeah well think about what our bodies go through when we're pregnant it's amazing yeah like as you your stomach grows and it like you often get a bit of a, um, a tear through those midline muscles and yeah. it separates a little bit. Yes, it's I had It's not uncommon. That. I Plus had it in the second one. Big, te- big yeah. separation. Yeah. I could fit two two fists in my separation. Yeah. But you can help it. Like it can all come back and be right again. It's just, again, it's going back to after you've had the babies, listen to your body, do the inner core exercises mm. first Um, and strengthen from the inside out
0: but why does the diaphragm become so jammed up what's going diaphragm's
1: incredible i love it um and i love treating it and it makes such a difference for people so the diaphragm if you visualize your rib cage your diaphragm is like a giant umbrella okay and it's under the rib cage you've got your lungs sitting above it you've got all of your abdominal organs attaching fascially to the diaphragm so as your As you're pregnant, your diaphragm gets pushed up and those abdominal organs just push to the side. But everything's kind of still attached to each other. Mm -hmm. And then the baby comes out and everything's got to find its place again. Yes. Yeah. And the diaphragm's also attached into all your rib cage. And Um, if you remember back to when you're pregnant, the rib cage gets pushed out a little bit. Yes. And then it's all got to come back together. Yes. Um, as well as at being attached to all the abdominal viscera, so think about all your leaky gut and everything that's going to directly influence the diaphragm. Ah, okay. Think about if you're anxious. So the diaphragm is a breathing muscle, right? Yes. Um, if you're anxious, your breathing's not amazing. Breathing so you, shallow. Your shallow breathing. Shallow. Yeah. So your diaphragm will tighten up. Then your rib cage is going to stiffen up, and then your ribs are attached to your middle back. Yes, And so your middle back can be painful as well. Right. And then your middle back around that um, sort of lower thoracic, upper lumbar area, yeah. so the top of the waistline there, all the nerves from there go out and supply your digestive system. Ah, So if that's not so right, then all those nerves are going to get irritated going into the digestive system, which is going to irritate it more.
0: Okay. And does that, if you will that cause leaky gut or if you're already? It will feed off each other. Feed it
1: yeah vicious cycle it's a vicious cycle interesting that's where simple things like your pelvic floor exercises because the pelvic floor is linked fascially with the diaphragm it's part of your core muscles we all talk about the core muscles all Mm. the time Mm. and the core is actually comprised it's like a big cylinder and you've got your pelvic floor at the bottom the diaphragm at the top Mm. and then you've got your big um, transverse a big seat belt muscle at the front mm-hmm. and then another little one at the back called the multifidus and all those muscles work together to stabilize our torso oh. and it's really incredible yeah. so you've got
0: to work all of
1: that together so you can do
0: and i guess that area particularly the pelvic bowl that connects the top half and the bottom half of your body really oh yeah so if that's not functioning then everything goes out of whack Doesn't yeah it?
1: yep the body's amazing it's a unit Yeah, it
0: totally is. You can
1: literally connect your big toe through to your jaw through fascial connections. It's just amazing. Yeah,
0: so the fascia are really important, aren't they? Yes. What's a good – like I know the foam rollers are really good for working with fascia, aren't they? I love the foam rollers.
1: Um, So working – you can do foam rollers through legs, back, and there's so many amazing exercises you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Outside of that – you can do swimming is amazing for fascia because you're lengthening and stretching out mm-hmm. and it's weightless as yeah. well. Um, breathing can help to expand the rib cage and to help with the, um, the diaphragm. So that will release off a lot of the fascia through there. Yeah. Um, yeah all your spiky balls and lacrosse balls, they yes. might be a bit sore when you do them, but they're really they good for fascia release as well. Yeah. And yoga,
0: Pilates. So the outer work... When we talk about outer work, I'm talking about things that are external to the body. So I guess what I'm hearing is Pilates is brilliant. I know that myself. <laughs> Yoga is great. Um, walking, it sounds like it, is it's another great. great thing. The foam roller for your fascia is brilliant, as is the spiky ball. And what was the other ball? Lacrosse ball. Okay. Is that like He's the my little new, one with the My new friend. It? No, oh. it's
1: really hard... Um, I guess hard rubber ball. Oh, like a squash ball. Well, a bit bigger. Oh. It's okay. really great. Okay. I'll show you next time you're in.
0: Great. <laughs> Play with the lacrosse ball. Um, what, what other, so swimming, what other activities are really good sort of outer work? Dancing. Dancing, Because yes.
1: it's so good for Dancing's your body. Dancing brilliant yes. for women.
0: Brilliant for women to yep. keep them in their body. Yep. Yeah.
1: This is anecdotal evidence, but I know it works for me. I love it. I do it with my kids and it makes me feel good. Yeah. Even in the lounge room. But I see women in... Well,
0: it's pleasure, right? Yeah, it's fun. Pleasure, you know, in any form, obviously not when it's related to drugs or anything like that, but creating pleasure, whether it's sexual pleasure or pleasure in your body is very healing for people. Yeah.
1: And they actually say like sexual is um, also very good for pelvic floor, and to keep the health that's through us. the pelvic floor pelvic as well. Floor.
0: yeah. And um, anyway, like that's conversation. Might a whole, not be an option for everybody, but... <laughs> whole other conversation, yeah. which I will be talking to another coach about, two coaches about sexual pleasure and how they help women as they get older. Yeah. And keeping all the vaginal muscles um, lubricated, yep. working really well. Um, and I've read so much about it in books as well um so diet i'm hearing diet is like massive for us
1: be healthy just look after your body and i guess think about food as fuel it's you know we're not we don't want to go on diet so to speak but we want to eat healthy and provide our body with the best things that's gonna um keep it going yeah so your your high inflammatory foods um like your high sugar high gluten high wheat they're not going to be amazing for the body because it's harder for the body to process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the inner work. So the inner work is things like meditation, breath work. Qigong is great inner work. Tai Chi. Journaling is great for yes. inner work. And actually some of my clients, um, sometimes they they don't like journaling. So there's some apps Everyone has apps on their phone or their iPad where you can record your voice. Yeah. And I say to them, just talk. Talk into your app for three minutes and then go back and listen to yourself because that sometimes really helps people get stuff off their chest. Uh, Or the other one I give them is a desires challenge where I want you to speak about what you want in your life for the next three minutes because people are very good at saying what they don't want, but when you get them to focus on what they do want, they struggle. I think that's a little bit about, you know, our cultural narrative. But it's actually a really constructive thing in helping people.
1: I think gratefulness is...
0: Gratefulness is great.
1: It is. It's something I try and do with my kids every night. Just do three things that they're grateful for for that day. And I do it every night when I go to bed. And for some reason, it just puts me in a good headspace and helps me get to sleep.
0: Yeah. And I think any inner work that you can do that specifically focuses you in on listening to your body. So body scans are a great way to do that. Um, I think they're great. So there's there's lots of different approaches and breath work, which I don't think I mentioned, but I'm noticing because yeah. I'm learning to be a breath work teacher and I've just noticed even around Melbourne, there's more breath work classes popping lot. up, so that's fabulous.
1: There's just a lot more options out there now. There's so many mindfulness classes but it's finding something you enjoy Yeah. that you can put in if we've got a busy life you don't want to try and squeeze something else into it that's going to make you more stressed so it's finding something you enjoy um, maybe something in a community environment because having that social environment can be really good for people to yes. help with a bit of, especially as we get older as well we sort of lose that fun side of things. Yeah. So it's trying to have a bit of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fun is great. Okay. Well, that probably brings us to the end of our chat today. Thank you so much, Sarah. That was so interesting. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I think the thing to think about is that the body is just systems within systems within systems. And so it's all interconnected. That and sure so a change is. in one thing is going to impact on the other. Um talking to a good coach friend last night we were i was telling her about the chat today and we were talking about our own perimenopausal symptoms and she's been quite unwell and she said but the thing is where do you start so how do you answer a question like that i think that's the last question i have for you
1: start small don't change everything at once yeah think about what is gonna be one of the easiest things for you to change Mm -hmm. it might be adding a 15 minute walk every couple of days Mm -hmm. it might be change your nutrition slightly um or go and if they've got the time go and join a club or do something they enjoy yeah and start there but don't try and do everything at once yeah i think that's too much for the mind to take at the time
0: yeah thank you that's okay thanks for having me no worries